up, White Sox fans? Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox. And you're watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure to tune in. You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can hit it on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges throws. Out. And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei. Yes. 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 What is going on, everybody? Welcome to South Burbs Hitmen. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my other White Sox brothers in arms, Steven Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, Chris Gonzalez. Gentlemen, I, I got nothing left to say after the week we just witnessed. 0-6 is homestand. Uh, when we need the team to show up for the biggest series of the year, they just completely disappear. Um, we have a dynamite guest here to talk through the therapy session with us. But before we bring them on, quickly, Steve, Zim, Vinny, two seconds or less, how you feeling? You can just give me a facial expression. I don't even care. They suck. Thank you, Guardians, for putting us out of our misery. <laughs> Gonzo? Yeah, you know, it sucks because this whole season – you look at the paper and you're like, wow, this team's going to turn around at some point. And they never do. And as I reflected this week after we got swept by Cleveland, Detroit, I asked myself, why was I so ignorant of this team? Because there's some deep yeah. flaws to it that you see in that first game of the series at home versus Cleveland. And you're like, wow, like I just totally overlooked what we didn't have. And that was really mentality and character. And you look at the other side of the field at Cleveland, and now you know how they got there. Mm-hmm. Only Gonzo can get two seconds and turn it into a minute. I love it. But no, in 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 pure Gonzo fashion, broken down to a T. But let's let's open up the therapy session. Let's bring in our very special guest. We are super excited to welcome Herb Lawrence to the show. Herb, we are so glad you could be with us tonight. And we're so sorry that you had to watch the same team we watched all season long. You know, guys, I, uh, unfortunately, they pay me to watch those games. But sometimes I'm like, uh, <laughs> is it worth it? Is it really worth it to watch this team and 
no truer words than what Gonzo just said. Like, perfectly stated right there. I couldn't say it any better. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit of a painful season to say the least. But Herb, has this been one of the most disappointing seasons in your recent memory? And then if you had to pick one moment from this season, what sums up the dumpster fire that is the White Sox 2022 team? I used to think that 2007 or 2010 seasons wouldn't be topped at all. Those are horrible seasons. I always think about, I think it's Andy Gonzalez all the time. He was playing a lot during that year. I think it's 2010, if I recall correctly. It could be the seventh season. But this season is topped every single season before uh, before it's, uh, before it's that one. It's just um, everybody. I don't know one person, not a Guardians, not a Twins, not a Royals, not any White Sox fan that thought the White Sox weren't going to win the AL Central when we started this whole thing off. And not only are they not going to win the AL Central, they're getting boat raced by the Cleveland yeah. Guardians. And I think most White Sox fans actually appreciate the Cleveland Guardians and how they play baseball. It's very nice. It's uh, they station. They don't do station to station. They go first to third. They put the pressure on the opposite team. They put bat to ball like no other. They have solid pitching, awesome bullpen. Manager is steady and solid. Just the way you would want a team to play and the fact that that team with, if we look at the lineups, they have less talent than us and the White Sox still got beat. And the game that I would look back to and the game that I circle all the time is that Minnesota twins game where you have a lead and it's late in the game. And Byron Buxton, every White Sox fan knows that Byron Buxton is a guy you don't pitch to. You don't pitch to Jose Ramirez with a base open. You don't pitch to Byron Bucks with the base open. And the fact that our manager, a Hall of Fame baseball person, said, you know what, I'm going to pitch to him because I'm scared of Luis Arise, the guy next up. I know Luis Arise, great hitter, but Byron Buxton versus the White Sox is a no-no. And he immediately deposited that ball like 450 feet off of Liam Hendricks' game over. That is what the White Sox season is to me, at least, like, the manager thinking he's way too smart for everybody else's opinion and the White Sox failing in a situation where they're supposed to win. And another game I think about is that Guardians game. I think it was in May 16th where Josh Naylor introduced himself to the White Sox, even though he had played games versus the White Sox before his two home runs. He hit one in, to tie it up in the eighth, I believe, in, and then the extra rating home run. And he got real hyped up. I hated him at the time. Now I'm like, I wish I had nine Josh Naylor's on my team because oh, he man. knows he wants to win. And those Cleveland Guardians showed the White Sox. You saw this celebration. Half of that celebration was shitting on the White Sox, which <laughs> I was like, hey, do your thing, man. I don't I don't too, take too much offense to it as a White Sox fan, but I, I'm sure the White Sox should look at that and feel some motivation this offseason if they look at the Cleveland Guardians and how much they dunked on the fans, dunked on the fire Tony, the Fuck the White Sox, everything. The Cleveland uh, Twitter thing said, like the crumble thing that Elvis Andros said. Man, they use that as motivation like nothing else. So, yeah, this season was the most disappointing season I've ever been associated with. And I've been watching them since 1990, and it's terrible. Definitely brutal. Gonzo, you're up next, buddy. What do you got? Hey, Herb, thanks for the compliment in the open. Um and as you said, there's so many games that you can look at 
for the disappointment for me was that uh, that three outs, man, triple play against the Twins on the 4th of July. That's what killed me. Um, but as you look at this dis- disappointing season, Herb, what is your biggest priority of need at position entering this offseason that you feel from your perspective? I don't know if they're going to actually address it. So I'll go to the position that I think that helps any team that is competing for a championship. They're pretty much pot committed with their roster. You know, they can't really trade Yohan Mankata. He's making upwards of $20 million next year and he's not good anymore. He could be good next year, but no one's going to take that money. He has money ground the same situation. Aloy Jimenez, uh, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, and Jose Abreu, that's a whole thing right there where one of them has to go, if not multiple, have to go off of this team for this team to move forward because those are all first baseman DH slash outfielder types that can't play defense. So they can definitely hit, but they can't play defense. So I would look at the pitching staff, and it would be great to have this Johnny Cueto that showed up in 2022 for 2023, but I can't go into 2023 banking on that fact. So if there's a top of the rotation arm out there for the starting rotation, I would get that. So you can move Lucas Giolito to the fifth spot because he pitched like that this year. Banking on him to rebound to a top five guy, which I'm kind of in that boat because a full offseason with Ethan Katz should do him wonders, is a little foolhardy on my part and other people's part. But also, you know, I think the guy since 2018 where he was the worst pitcher in baseball and came back in 2019, 2020 and showed that he had some good work with Ethan Katz in the offseason. I think that he can rebound to a level where it's not the five ERA that he had this year. But if you get a guy that's at the top of rotation that can pair with Dylan Cease and can pair with Michael Kopech and Lance Lynn, putting um, Giolito down to the fifth spot would be my choice for uh, having the offseason be complete. I know Rick Hunt's not going to do anything real. We saw this last offseason. It was real disappointing with the disappointing Joe Kelly getting signed and Kendall Graven, who was decent from time to time, and then Josh Harrison and Lori Garcia. Those are the moves he made in 2022 offseason. I don't know if he's going to do much more in this season because he's already at a top seven payroll this year for the White Sox. I don't know if he'll be allowed to do much more, but if they're going to go and spend big-time money on a player, Aaron Judge would be great, but we know that's not going to happen. Other players like Trey Turner would be great. We know that's not going to happen. So I'll go a little bit more realistic and look for a top-of-the-rotation pitcher, which also might not be a realistic thing, but it will cost much less than those bats that I just mentioned. Now let's just say you take Han out of the picture and oh, let's just please. say they t- totally revamp the front office. Cause you start off the answer or the answer of mine with, I don't think they will go in this direction. Let's say with a new mind in there, where do you think, where's your mind going there? If they get rid of uh, Kenny Williams and Rick Han. Yeah. I, I wish they would do like a regular organization would do and go, outside of the organization and find somebody who is up and coming, has a great mind, like, and I hate to bring it up, like the Cubs did with Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, having a baseball ops guy and then having a general manager doing the day-to-day underneath them. But we know that's not going to happen. If they fire Kenny Williams and they fire Rick Hahn, I think they're just going to have uh, assistant GM Jeremy Haber 
or the minor league director, Chris Getz, be the new general manager. And those guys haven't done the job and they'll just be under Jerry's thumb and doing whatever Jerry wants them to do. I think we all know Jerry is the problem, the major problem of this team. And until he either sells or unfortunately passes, this team will not move forward because he's loyal to a fault. That's why I don't think Rick Hahn's going anywhere. He deserves to get fired. So does Katie Williams for this season alone. He's been on the job as the general manager for at least 10 seasons. Only two of them have been over 500. Very sad. But we know that there's not going to be a change until somebody takes over this ownership group and takes the reins away from Jerry Reinsdorf. So I would, if I, in my wisdom, thought this team and Jerry Reinsdorf woke up like Mike Illich did when he was late in his life and said, you know what, before I die, I want to compete for a championship. I'm going to throw all the money at this team so I can see one more championship. And unfortunately for Mike, it didn't happen before he passed. I would want Jerry to have that epiphany and say, I'm tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of doing that second place thing. I know I said it, but I'm tired of it. I want to go and grab a championship. I want to leave no stone unturned and give money to whatever problem I need to and fire Tony, all that stuff. I would think that he would want somebody who is a up and comer, a guy or girl that can actually make things happen and have an analytic department that helps the team out a little bit where the White Sox have only five in their staff, which is the lowest in Major League Baseball. I'm just not very hopeful that Jerry Ryan's will do the right thing by this team and by the fans who've been patiently waiting for this rebuild to finally get to, at minimum, the team making to the World Series. I know people want to win the World Series, but we made the World Series this year. I don't think most White Sox would be disappointed with what the job that Rick Hahn did. I was only asked for ALCS this year and then move on to try to compete for the World Series eventually, but I know that's not going to happen. Herb, you touched on Eloy, kind of lumping them in with Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu as guys who predominantly are getting paid for their bat. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen in the last, you know, I would say two, three months of the season, basically in the entire second half post All-Star break, Eloy's been one of the best hitters in the American League. Mm-hmm. And he's got numbers that compare to Aaron Judge. Is he, in the second half that is. Is he somebody that you are, I mean, and like you said, nobody on this roster is untradeable, you know, with the way the season has gone, anything is on the table. But is Eloy a guy that you kind of hesitate to trade based on what you know he can do when he's as healthy as he is right now? Yes, just because when he plays and when he hits, as you said, he's an elite bat, both with power, both with average, everything he does with his bat is electric. But the fact is he does not stay on the field. His rookie year, I think he stayed on the field for 131 games. I would love that right now. Taking majority of the season, he hit, I think, 31 home runs his rookie year, or am I getting them mixed up? Like maybe 120 games and 31 home runs. But we know if he plays the majority of the game, so like 140 games, he's eventually going to hit 40 home runs for any team. This is why I think, you know, thinking about trading him is like enticing, but also, no, you don't want to do it because I compare him and it's not a one-to-one comparison to Carlos Lee, how Kenny Williams had to trade him after the 2004 season. He knew by trading Carlos Lee, Carlos Lee will eventually be a Hall of Famer. I mean, a Hall of Famer, an all-star, 
which he went on to be three-time All-Star with the Milwaukee Brewers and the Houston Astros. But he knew that Carlos Lee had a limiting factor of kind of being a selfish player, kind of not being a team guy, um, and not the right mix for that 2005 going forward team. And so they had to get Podsednik and Luis Vizcaino for him. Now, Aloy, if you can promise me that he's going to bat or play in 140 games, sign me up. He's got a great contract as Rick Hahn signed him before he even took a swing in the major leagues. It was a great contract that Rick Hahn signed, and he's four more years with Aloy at least on the White Sox. But I can't depend on Aloy being healthy for these next four years because he's shown time and time again that he's oft injured. And I'm not saying he's doing it to himself, but he, it happens every year. We, we, we know that Aloy won't be in every game because either he's running into the wall, he's running, running the bases hard and gets hurt, he's running into a teammate, he's running into the net. Something's going to happen with Aloy Jimenez during the season where he's going to get hurt and he's going to miss a, a significant amount of games. I would trade him in this offseason just because you don't want to necessarily bring this whole team back as it is and do the same thing you did in 2022. I think the team is flawed because they are a station-to-station team. They did have a directive not to hustle because they were hurt. And you need more people who are going to be going from first to third from time to time and scoring on singles when you're on second base, which the White Sox didn't do often. You know, if you have a uh, Yasmani Grandal in second, he's going to need a triple to score from second. So I think... Aloy can get you the most back from a different team if you're going to trade him because people around the league can see that he is a power bat and a bat that's going to explode once he gets to his prime and once he gets some health. I just think that you need to change up this team somehow, some way. I would love to trade Andrew Vaughn too. I mean, if you know, if, if I had my druthers, I would trade Andrew Vaughn over Aloy because I know at least I know Aloy is going to be a power bat. I don't know if Andrew Vaughn's going to be a power bat. He's played most of the games this year, and he's only had 17 home runs. Maybe that bat will develop into it. He's going to be a good hitter, I think, eventually. But I don't know if teams are clamoring for Andrew Vaughn, who plays first base and designated hitter and can't play in the outfield. At least Aloy can give you substandard, average left field out there with catch balls that were hit to him. Um, And so I would trade Aloy if I had – the four guys I mentioned before, like Gavin Sheets, Aloy, uh, Andrew Vaughn, and Jose Bray, who's a free agent, I would trade Aloy because he gets to the most back from the White Sox. So the 2023 team can at least be different. It can be a little bit more diverse. I would trade for a lefty power bat if I could get that two or three lefty power bats if they allow me. But um, yeah, it's not a great situation the White Sox have left themselves in and left them uh, the fans in because their team is really, really um it's the same you know first baseman dh types all over the field and not a lot of uh, flexibility and the guys that you do think have talented like uh, yohan mancata can't be traded same thing with yasmani grandal so you got to find somewhere in that roster where you gotta uh, change it up and i think aloy would be the perfect guy to go but i'm not you know clamoring for him to go but if i had to trade a guy aloy would be my first guy i would look at I absolutely agree, actually. <laughs> I really think that Eloy is a great uh, trade ship. But 
we have plenty of time to talk about the bad stuff for the rest of the show. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about some of the, some of the positives. They are few and far between this season (laughs) for sure. You know, but obviously we've got Dylan Cease as a big one, his emergence as, as a true number one ace for this team. Can you tell us some of your high points this year, some things they can build on for next year, just some general positivity in this time of darkness for all of us. I think that you already mentioned Dylan Cease, and I'm going to go with Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn started off his season injured and came back in June, and he wasn't good. But you saw the progression of Lance Lynn throughout the the second half of the season where he was dominant. He looked like the second-best pitcher on this team and back to a top-five Cy Young Award candidate you know, late in, his, uh, in this campaign in the second half. It wasn't enough for the White Sox as they didn't hit enough. But I think Lance Lynn moving forward for this next year would be a nice number two going right behind Dylan Cease. And I think, you know, Michael Kopech, while he didn't finish the season as a full participant of the uh, pitching staff, this is the most he's ever pitched as a starting pitcher in the major leagues. This is really his first full year of starting as a major league pitcher. And what he did was try to develop into a pitcher. I still think he's more of a thrower than a pitcher. But being around guys like Johnny Cueto and being around Lance Lynn, knowing that these guys have less stuff than they than um, Michael Kopech does and getting into their air. It's like, how do you do this, that, and the other? Learning from those guys will be a great thing for Michael Kopech moving forward. As sometimes you saw, his velocity was down. I mean, the game that he got hurt and Tony kept on throwing him, damn it. Um, it was hard for him to find a way to get people out when he was at 92, 91, 89, his first pitch. And so learning from Lance Lynn, who sometimes at the beginning of the year, he only had 92 on the fastball and four seamer and the cutter and the splitter wasn't or the cutter and the slider wasn't working as much. Sometimes you don't have a plus stuff. And I'm sure Michael Kopech has been going through life as a pitcher, having the best stuff and throwing the 95 plus mile power fastball when he didn't have command and control of the other pitches and getting people out. Now he's could see that major league baseball players know your stuff. And if you can't just rear back for that 98, every once in a, every time, if you need to, because they'll be sitting on it. If you're not getting that curveball over, if that slider's not being as crisp, I think he's learning how to be a pitcher and I'm looking forward to his progression to next year when he's better pitcher. He has an offseason with Ethan Katz. He can work a little bit more and repeating his motion a little bit uh, better. I know he uh, cut down on the windup and only comes from the stretch now. That is going to be a good thing for him moving forward because you need to have a repeatable motion. That's why Justin Verlander is the best pitcher in baseball in the American League this year. He can repeat his motion. He's 39 years old. He still understands that releasing from the same um, – tunnel and from the same motion is valuable because pitchers don't or hitters don't know what you're coming with. And that's what Michael Kopech needs to learn. Just the, the art of pitching, not just being a fast thrower. So he had a great year and I'm looking for even more. The sky's the limit with that guy. Now Dylan Cease has the best stuff. I think Michael Kopech can meet him up there as the best pitcher on this White Sox staff. If we're looking at 2024, I'm looking forward to that when those guys are battling for the ace of the staff. Yeah, a lot, a lot to look forward to 
from the pitching staff specifically. But let me bring it back down to the depressing depths of hell that we're currently in. Um, I have to ask you, Herb. I tried, man. This... I tried. <laughs> hey, you know, we got to put a little bit of sunshine in with the darkness. Um, so, Herb, I got to ask, is this Jose Abreu's last nine games in a White Sox uniform? Um, in a weird way, I hope it is. I hope not only that Jose says, you know what, this White Sox thing is great. I love these guys and I love the fans, but I got to go and battle for a championship. And he says to the White Sox, I appreciate the time. It was awesome. I'll see you guys when you retire my statue, retire my number and put me a, a statue up there in the uh, concourse. But I got to go to a team that I think has a realistic shot at the championship and goes free agency to, I hope he doesn't go to the Astros. My uh, partner, Sean Anderson wants him to go to the Astros. I'm like, I don't, you'd want me to hate Jose Abreu for life. I can't, I can't. I know your Gurriels are going to be retiring and then, you know, or not good anymore. So he probably be retiring and Jose Abreu will be a great fit for those Astros, but I want him to go to a different team so I can actually cheer for him every once in a while. And so he can chase that championship that he needs to. And it actually would work out well for the White Sox as the glut of first baseman DHs would be a little bit better because then you would have Andrew Vaughn as the all-time first baseman. You can put Eloy Jimenez as the all-time designated hitter and then have Gavin Sheets, I hopefully not all-time right fielder. You have somebody else like Oscar Colas come up next year or A.J. Pollock do right field slash um, – uh, him and AJ Pollock do a right field uh, platoon out there where they're both good versus the opposite hitter, uh, the opposite pitcher. So AJ Pollock's one of the best hitters versus left-handers this year. And uh, Gavin Sheets does well versus right-handers. If you had that even platoon, I'll be fine with that too. But Jose Abreu leaving this team would make the team a little bit easier to manage there. And I can keep Eloy Jimenez at the spot that he needs to be at designated hitter, and I know I would get probably 150 games out of him in that position, and he would hit a bunch of home runs. But replacing all the hits that Jose Abreu gave you in 2022 would be really hard to do right there because he's one of the – I think he leads the league in hits, American League in hits right now, hitting over 300. The power's not there this year, but I got to go back to the track record. He's been 30 and 100 every year with home runs and RBI. I got to believe if Jose Abreu wants to come back for the White Sox, the White Sox will say, Jose Abreu, you got to come back. But if, for me, if Jose Abreu wants a championship, I don't think it's going to happen with the White Sox. I hope he either retires or goes to another team and says, thank you, White Sox, for your time, but I'm out. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that, and that's what I think as well, Herb. Uh, man, that would be a sad, sad moment, but it definitely mm-hmm. could be on the horizon for us. Gonzo, you're up next, pal. All right, Herb, 2023, who's the man in the dugout leading this charge? Who's going to be at the helm here? Who you have your money on? Who do you want to see? Who do you think or what's realistic? Are you asking realistically or are you asking for Herb is the general manager? I get to put the guy in there. Give me both, man. Okay. I got to hear both from you. I think that Tony Russo is coming back for the 2023 season because Ooh. Tony Russo is too much of an eagle maniac mm. to not come back for 2023. And he has the second most power in the organization. He took the power. Well, Jerry gave him the power when he hired him in October of 2020 and usurped the power of 
Rick Hahn. I feel sorry for Rick Hahn for that reason and that reason alone. I should. I told people that he should have resigned that day, but I know it's hard to resign from a job that's only got 29 other spots in the nation. So I understand why he didn't. But Tony La Russa, I think if the White Sox were still in contention right now, he would be clamoring to come back to this team with the nine games remaining, even though he would see Miguel Cairo doing a good job with his team and his team responding to what Miguel Cairo was doing. So, yeah, it's going to be Tony La Russa until he says otherwise. I don't think the White Sox will hold him out. I don't think Rick Hahn will say, hey, thanks, but no thanks, even if you want to come back. I think Tony says to Jerry, I'm coming back. Jerry says, cool, we'll see you in spring training in February. Now, I would go and get somebody from Houston, and I don't like the organization, but they win. They show every year that they bring up different players and different guys who get the job done. Now, I know they're probably having Joe Espada be the guy when Dusty retires, but I would have him as the White Sox bench boss next year if we're going for outside the box and outside the organization full looking at all the candidates in the uh, baseball world, I would find Joe Espada a spot right there with the White Sox and bring that type of philosophy to Chicago. I don't know if he's available, if he wants to come to Chicago, if he's the manager in waiting in Houston, but I'm looking for him to be the White Sox uh, manager next year if I'm in charge of the White Sox uh, hiring and firing. I love that. Sorry, I was muted. It happens every week. Um, so Oscar Colas, mm-hmm. you know, you touched on him a little bit. You brought his name up, talking about him playing outfield next year. They love this guy. And mm-hmm. Project Birmingham seemed like it was going to be a thing for the rest of the season. And then one day we got a notification on our phones and Twitter and whatnot saying, whoa, they're putting him in AAA to end the season. He's going to spend the final three weeks of the year in AAA. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so we're not really done with Project Birmingham completely because there are plenty of, you know, that team's loaded. There's lots of great players down there. But for Oscar Colas, we're going to let him go play in AAA. And since arriving in AAA, Mm -hmm. he has been one of the best players in minor league baseball. I want to know what you think of him as a prospect. Has he surprised you this year? And are you expecting to see him become an impact player in 2023? Now, I know some of these prospects have come up and made us happy with them, thinking about Eloy, Tim Anderson, some of them took time. Then there are guys like Yohan Moncada who just really haven't panned out all that well. What is Herb's expectation for Oscar Colas? I don't see anybody on the major league roster holding Oscar Colas in the minor leagues for 2023. If he is this, the guy that has shown up at double-A and mashed immediately, got called up to triple-A and mashed immediately, there's no other There's no other thing to have him down there for. He's going to be 25 or is 25 already. He's seasoned. He's already played a couple of years in uh, Japan. He's, he's ready. He's ready for the major leagues. And if you don't have an established right fielder like we were just talking about, like A.J. Pollock is – a outfielder, but he's not a right fielder. He doesn't have a right fielder's arm. And we saw what Gavin Sheets has done all year long. He's a good lefty bat. But if it's between A.J. Pollock, Gavin Sheets, and Oscar Colas going into tr- spring training, I'm sure Oscar Colas would win that job in right field uh, every time. And there's no reason not to have him on the major league staff next year. And if it wasn't prohibitive and it wasn't you know useless to go for these nine last games, I'll give him a taste of the major leagues now. You know, not start his clock. I mean, starting his clock would be foolhardy for me, but 
the guy has shown you at every level that he can hit. You know, he's having troubles a little bit hitting the slider, but who doesn't? I mean, we got third-year guy Luis Roberts still troubles laying off sliders. Javi Baez is in his, what, ninth year. He Every time a pitcher throws a slider inside the stadium, he's swinging at it. So it's a tough pitch. But when he connects, he connects real. And that's the one thing, well, two things that Oscar Colas has that the White Sox really need. Ball going over the fence and lefty power bat. He solves those two problems. Now, I don't know how well of a fielder he is. If he can go out and get it, I haven't studied him that, that, that well, I mean, that much. But I know that he can't be as worse as Gavin Sheets. He can't be as bad as Andrew Vaughn was. The guys that be throwing out there for right field all last uh, 2020 two and just give him the start give him 500 plate appearances next year and i guarantee the guy's going to be better than anything they've thrown out uh this year in 2022 and anything they'll get from aj pollock or gavin sheets so yeah oscar colas would be an option for me for 2023 why not he's shown you that he's much better than the leagues he's in right now that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time with us tonight, Herb. I know that you are with CHGO now. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, y'all just did uh, an event with the Bears where they did a big tailgate right before the game. Mm-hmm. Just wondering if you guys have anything like that lined up for Sox fans next year. Um, what you guys are planning on doing during the off season, and you know, just kind of talk about CHGO a little bit. Yeah, um, we did our first tailgate yesterday sunday and it was fun it was enjoyable right on the corner of michigan and roosevelt and and it was awesome like 200 people came out there had a dj had a um, food truck that's serving great breakfast tacos it was awesome and we're planning on doing like six more of those for the bear season we did one for the white Sox tailgate uh it was like in the middle of the year versus the toronto blue jays good attendance not as much as the bears but it was our first go around and we all enjoyed our time, went into the game and the White Sox got murdered by the Toronto Blue Jays. So it was kind of a downer on that one. But we're going to be doing some more of those things uh, in the future. We're all planning on maybe going down to Arizona in either February or March to cover the White Sox to see exactly who they're going to be bringing up and what the team's going to look like next year. I hope I'm 100 percent wrong. And then there's new faces, fresh blood a team with a renewed energy and a sense of uh, looking forward because we've seen with Jerry's other team, even though the Bulls haven't you know won a championship or haven't even looked good in the playoffs the last couple of years, having guard packs out of here and bringing in Mark Eversley and AK in here has got a new blood for the Bulls fans. They feel a little bit better. The team looks a little better. Donovan looks like he can, he knows how to coach and bring a player from A to B and maybe not B to C, but he looks like a developer of talent and a good coach. And I wish Jerry does this with his baseball team, which I think he loves more than his basketball team. And get some new blood in here. Get some guys who are more innovative and thinking differently than what Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have been thinking. And bring in a new uh, a new blood that gives White Sox fans hope next year. Because I know all of us are kind of just down in the dumps because we know that if this front office is back, this team is going to be back, and this team is going to perform exactly how Gonzo said. There's flaws in this team all throughout the 26-man. Flaws all the way through the 40-man roster. No one really coming up except for Colas, and then we got like two years for Montgomery to come up. But, you know, we're, just, we're hoping on prospects. 
we're not like this guy's going to be great and we know it's going to be great. It's just a matter of time. Like we're thinking kind of with Deloy and Tim and Luis Robert, those guys are question marks still in the prospect area, but for CHGO, we're just looking forward to doing this five days a week still in the off season. We're going to be, you know, producing shows of, you know, what we think as host on what the white Sox should do in 2023. We did a show today thinking about that. Then we're going to be doing some drafts, you know, Best White Sox fan, best White Sox of all time, things like that. And then looking forward to when Vinny goes to the GM in winter meetings and getting in front of Rick Hahn, hopefully not Rick Hahn or some whoever the White Sox GM <laughs> is at that time, and asking them real questions about what's going on with this team and see if they can make some trades to make this White Sox team better. But we're enjoying our time. Our people out in DMVR, who is our parent company, allow us to do a lot of stuff that I wasn't allowed to do at the score and I wasn't had didn't have the freedom to do. So it's very awesome that they are not over my shoulder every day asking me what I got to do, asking me what what I'm doing with this, that and the other. They understand the season sucks and they give us support. So we're looking forward to next year where CHGO and the White Sox, we're going to be more of a collaborative effort. Now, I think they were kind of standoffish with us because we brought the real and you know, Vinny had to take the brunt of it because he got to see all these people we were talking about in our podcast and they would talk to him and say some words to him. But I hope next year the White Sox understand the job that we're doing and that all we want as fans everywhere is the White Sox to be competitive. They don't need to win the World Series every year, but not this. This was so depressing. I don't think one White Sox fan feels good about this season and feels good about the future coming up. Yeah, no, arguably one of the worst seasons ever. And uh, thank you for helping us walk through that little bit of a therapy session today, Herb. Hmm. You know, we can't thank you enough for giving us over a half hour of your time. Uh, Of course, Herb covers the White Sox for CHGO. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Ecknerwall23 and at CHGO underscore White Sox. You can see all the great work. Uh, Check out all the CHGO content. Um, Just dynamite stuff for this season and looking forward to what comes up in the off season because man we we're going to need a lot of therapy sessions to get us through this off season and hopefully a lot of changes in the front office but uh herb we cannot thank you enough thank you for giving us so much time and uh we cannot wait to talk to you uh coming into the 2023 season appreciate it zim gonzo Vinny, and joe it was awesome to talk to you guys i hope that uh, everything goes right with you guys. Southside was a South sub South Burb hitman. Oh man, you guys are you awesome. I appreciate all the time. And anytime you guys want me on again, I'm in there and uh, look for you, yourselves. You know, we got off season shows. So if you guys are open, we can get you down to the West loop studios and have you in for an episode. Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know, we're down for that or anytime you name the time, the place will be there. Uh, you are the best. Thank you so much. You have great content. Everyone go give Herb a follow if you haven't already. And uh, as we always say, let's go White Sox no matter what. Right, Vinny? No matter what, let's go Sox. Damn right. Go Sox. Thank you, Herb. Thank you All very right, Herb, much. Have a good night, Thank buddy. Guys. Thanks again. Thanks, Herb. That's Herb Lawrence, everybody. Absolutely amazing guest. And, uh, I mean, it was just an honor to have him on the show. I've been listening to Herb and – following Herb for so long. It's just kind of surreal to talk to him on the show. Yeah, it was a good time. You know, you're always going to get the truth from Herb. Um, I enjoy his perspective. Me and him agree on a lot of things. And yeah, CHGO is really cool too. They cover every team. They do a good job. 
Um, yeah, Herb is Herb is good people. And it's funny because he kept saying Vinny, referring to Vinny Duber, who left MVC Sports Chicago. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't talk to Rick Hahn yet. <laughs> but then, but then yeah, I'm like, wait, he's talking about Vinny Duber. But, I mean, they've brought over some crazy people that were like so big with these other huge media outlets like of course yeah, adam hogue duber adam hogue exactly so you know, they got Corey uh, wooten down there now yep yep and then you know my guy who we've had here on the barroom network as a guest mark carmen mark carmen's been on crosstown crosstalk three times i'm pretty sure he's my number one guest and um there was oh our uh, brags <laughs> how can we forget brags my so, my 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 ex co-host exactly exactly so you know chgo and dnvr and then there's one more i swear there's one unless it's just those two right now but i'm sure over the years they're certainly going to expand across many other cities and stuff we'll have nyk at some point i'm assuming or something fun like that but you know herb's a great guy couldn't be happier to have him on yeah guys uh just just a dream. We got we got a dream last two shows of the season. We got Herb Lawrence. <clears throat> wow, I turned into Batman there for a second. Uh Herb Lawrence for the second to last week. And then for the season finale next week. This is what we call a teaser, folks. Ozzy Gian Jr. That's gonna be a fun one. We all know he brings the fire every week. Oh yeah. As Gonzo does as well. I mean, look at him. He's so fierce. Look at him in that top right corner. I'm just bottling everything up. Herb got me going. I, I, I oof. Like you said, Joe, you got to save little Gonzo in the pocket, man. I, Dude, I, I got my special little pocket here on this shirt just for you. <laughs> <clears throat> That's why I wore this shirt today. You, you took the line right out of my mouth. Um, but you know, no, Ozzy Jr., that's always, like Vinny said, with uh, Carm – Junior for us is our special guest. Uh, maybe someday soon we'll get we'll get his father on. The I'm not sure if anyone can handle the both of them, but we're gonna give it a shot. It's impossible, not <laughs> not possible. Um, but guys, we I my dog opened the door, so I'm gonna go close it. But um, I'll give you guys uh, a solid 20 second lead to do an intro into a segment that I put in the notes. Let's see if anyone can improv something or either I can do it when I get back. It'll take me 20 seconds. I'll be back. I mean, the fact that you need to get up and close the door because of your dog in the middle of the show is entirely a crappy situation, which is the perfect intro for Cairo's crappy clubhouse. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself, Vinny. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you can forget the LaRusa's locker logo. It's Cairo's crappy clubhouse. As I penned myself this afternoon, I felt pretty good about that one. But uh, to say the least, gentlemen, it's been a dumpster fire. Gonzo, I'm gonna let you go first because uh, you know we were you were pounding the drum all year for Tony. Not to say it's all Tony's fault by any means. Uh, you've been bragging on the players, which I think we all have. But Cairo had probably one of the worst weeks I can think of ever for a manager. So just curious your feelings there, Gonzo. Yeah. Okay. So I once, 
upon a time on her very first episode asked the good old Chuck Garfine what you can tell me about Miguel Cairo, which maybe it was a little hindsight, you know, two years down the road as it was the last two weeks, but um, probably unfair question for uh, Chuck because he barely got to know him, but now he definitely got to see what he's like as a manager. And I alluded to it last week with, I got to give him praise for the energy he brought, but he needs to bring more than that. And what I really did not expect for him is to be unprepared for probably the biggest game of the season in game one. And yeah, I'm definitely have to fault him for this because he's, he was the bench coach when Tony was firing away using everyone he could earlier in the season in situations where like he used Lambert plenty of times in high leverage situations. Granted, Jimmy earlier in the season has come away in those situations ahead of the game. But never in my life would I believe that, let's say if Tony was in that situation going into the seventh inning, that he would run Jimmy Lambert out there with the game on the line. When Lopez, Ronaldo Lopez was there and in the taken for him to use. So you could have easily gone Lopez, Graveman, Liam Hendricks, and shut the game out and take that game one versus the Guardians. Um, the fact that he went to Lambert, I was I was blowing a gasket. Um, and sure enough, we saw what happened after that. I don't even want to get to extra innings because it shouldn't have gone there. Now, we go to game two, and you saw what Mancada did on the field with the throw of the third, and he's not even covering the bag, and then when it goes off his glove, he's pouting on the ground while you have a live baseball and runs are scoring. If that is me, Crap. if Cairo if Cairo really wanted to earn my respect, I would have loved to see him bench Mankata right there in that situation. He you gotta have. send him you gotta send a message. And this is coming from a guy who me and the guy below me, we love Mankata. We absolutely do. We want him to be huge coming from that trade with Chris Sale, both him and Kopech. And this yeah. whole season, I've been defending Mankata. And that, whole, that scumbag group chat that I'm part of, I defend him left and right. Validly so, because yeah. I, I say it all the time. Mankata, he has all the talent in the world with his glove and bat. And what it showed me this week is the biggest flaw to him right now, and that's his character and that mindset. You need a winning mind, mentality if you want to go to – this championship vision that Han just threw at us. And I'm sorry, but I firmly believe that's not going to be Mankata. I don't see that with what he showed me. And that's one of the reasons why I think you need to upgrade there. It's not my number one priority, but it's up there. If, and it's a big if, if you can get the value there to upgrade, you got to do it. However, Let's say they can't find that value and he's here next season. Well, you better believe there's two guys down there that is going to give him competition spring training. That's going to True. be Berger, friend of the show. Jake Berger will be there, give him competition. Did you see that he made today? You know, I, I you can set it up because I did I did send it to you because I I want to make sure that you had you know show our friend of the show for what he did today. But you also have Ramos down there 
who is a great prospect as well. And I see, I think the two of them are for sure going to be playing baseball for the White Sox, but you need to give competition to Mankata if he's going to be here. You can't just freely handily give him third base if he's not going to produce. Man, I, I would just – this is the White Sox fan of me talking, but after the effort I saw the last six days on Mankata, I just freaking caught him. Yeah. I don't even so, care. I don't care about the just, money. Those were just the first three games of Cleveland. I it, Talking about Detroit – I don't even. I'm not even a big fan of Hinch at all. But you just let a team like Detroit come in here and shut you out. Granted, I'm not uh, sure this, how much team energy the team had. Yeah, they gave up, but still, like it's just pathetic. And uh, hold up, hold up. One last thing I want to say here, because yeah, you can say whatever you want about them giving up. But when you have Dylan Cease on Sunday, he's still fine for something purposeful for him individually, maybe. But he's fighting for a Cy Young, and he battles through six innings, didn't give up anything. And you're just going to collapse when he gets out of the game. It's just absolutely pathetic. That's all I got to say. 2022 was absolutely pathetic. And uh, you need change. And we're definitely going to get into... It, this offseason, what needs to happen, but, and we're, gosh, it's it's going to be, like I said, what I told her, you can retool, and you can still compete, but you definitely need to make change, and I hope the Sox, that's what they're going to do. I think we have to get, like, a like the Oscars, I think we need to get a house band, we can play Gonzo off when his answer goes incredibly long, what do you guys think? Should we get a house band? I mean, he's not the only guilty party. <laughs> no, no. I just, I was just trying to be funny, but I guess it backfired. Um, no, I mean, I, it, for all of us, it would be effective at, at times. <laughs> for my validity, I did miss several shows in the beginning of the season because of my work, but I'm trying to make it up slowly and surely. There you go. Well, speaking of making it up. There's no segue that I can use with that one. So we're just going to go ahead and pass it to Vinny. Vinny, Miguel Cairo, brutal week. How much of that goes on him? How much of that goes on the team? And does this take him out of the manager conversation? It absolutely should take him out of the manager conversation. Uh, he was a dogpile manager in the two most important series of the season. Um, he, there was a significant upgrade in the team when he took over in terms of their, you know, kind of body language. They came back in games. The lineup was always pretty good. It was consistent. It was a pretty similar one through nine, pretty much every day, which is something I believe in. And like, I talk about it with, you know, what the New York Yankees do when they're healthy. It's pretty much the same one through nine every day. At least the one through six are the same pretty much every day. And, you know, they succeed. Um, I hated the way Miguel Cairo managed. Uh, it is funny to me because a lot of the things that Miguel Cairo did, Tony La Russa has been guilty of as well, bringing in guys like Jose Ruiz and stuff like that during, you know, high leverage situations. It's like, what are you doing? But at the same time, I, I think you just got to start over. I, like next year, I want someone from another organization that has no ties to the White Sox, that believes in analytics, that believes in playing hard. Stop telling people to, 
you know, go easy on the Bates paths. You know, I just think it's so funny that like the year, the same year that Tony said that, and it was backed by all the coaches, they lose a division to a team that does nothing but run the base. hustle. And it, it drives me insane to watch the Cleveland Guardians play baseball the way that they do. Well, all these guys get hurt if they do that. Then you need to figure out a way to like get rid of them. You need to find a way to get players mm-hmm. who can run hard and not get hurt every five minutes. I don't understand what's going on with the training staff. I don't get why this team allowed it to get as bad as it was. I'm not saying if Miguel Cairo took over in June, things would be different, but they definitely probably would have had a better chance in my opinion, but the roster is still very flawed. They didn't get a right fielder. That's actually not a first baseman. They didn't get a left fielder. That's not a first baseman. AJ Pollock can't play right. He's a center fielder, a left fielder, and they have three of those. Nobody's actually a right fielder on this team. They only have a seat at the table for Shohei Otani and Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and uh, what's his name? Robbie Ray, Marcus Semyon, everybody's they got a seat at the table for everybody. But it's that little dark corner in the room that, you know, the weird kid sits at. And I just don't understand this team sometimes. And Miguel Cairo, he did a good job at the beginning and then it backfired on the team because they played like dog crap against the Guardians. And then I do think, let me be very clear, if Tony was coaching that game against Cleveland, I think he would have done the exact same thing if not worse they certainly would not have had the energy in the locker room and the dugout to come back twice okay they came back in the 12th inning and uh late in the regular game and i don't think that happens if tony's there the energy is certainly better with miguel cairo but the energy was better with rick renteria too but rick renteria miguel cairo and tony larusa all have bad x's and o's in the year 2022 and it's time to move on. Miguel Cairo, the way that they gave up, also kind of goes on him. And that's what I'm at with it. Uh, Zim, I think you said it very poetically at the top of the show that I kind of love the fact that the, the Guardians kind of put us out of our misery and put us in our place. And it kind of is a, a, a sigh of relief that I can finally bury this White Sox team deep in my brain and hopefully never think about them again. But we know that will never happen. Zim, you you summed it up so well. Miguel Cairo, for you, just sum up his week in a very short Zim way because you're very poetic sometimes. I didn't watch it. If I'm being entirely honest with you guys, I didn't watch it. I had a feeling this was going to happen. I didn't want to didn't want to live through it. I knew I would get too invested. I'd get angry about it. There's there's no point in wasting energy on this team. I mean, yeah. it almost feels like Miguel Cairo felt the same way. <laughs> it's like Cairo, the whole training why, staff, why give it the front an office. He's getting paid for the next three weeks, regardless of how the team performs. So, you know. Yeah, well, probably they next be year away. too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and, and I don't, I, these guys are professionals. I don't mean to like crap on them and try to say that they're going to throw in the towel just because the the team isn't doing so well but i mean damn it sure feels like it sometimes you know it looked like it i'm comfortable saying that oh i'll raise my hand and say it. they played like crap and they did not care i it was so obvious it's it's why i didn't watch i followed the first few innings of the first game to see if it was worth turning on or not went to extras and i kind of as soon as that game went to extras and cleveland 
made all that racket in the top of the tent. It was like, that's it. That's the season right there. That was it. it. Murdered their soul. Yeah. I mean, can we briefly talk for a moment about Lance Lynn's comments before we move on to our next segment? Because for me, it proves why I love Lance Lynn so much. It proves that he can kind of cut loose a little bit now that he knows that they're eliminated. This is technically before they were eliminated, but I think we all knew the writing was on the wall. This is a Lance Lynn quote, uh, speaking to James Fagan, on if the White Sox struggles have surprised him. Quote, nothing surprises you, especially when you play like shit all year. Immediate reaction, guys. Anybody. Lance Lynn is spot on. Lance Lynn has been around. He's won the World Series. He's been on a team with great players. He knows what it's like to have energy and play on a team that, you know, legitimately has a chance to go win the thing. They did it. He's done it multiple times. He's been in the Cy Young conversation in the last four years, I think it is, besides this year. And if you took only his second half numbers and applied them to the whole year, he would be in it right there again. Clearly coming back from the injury, you know, the first month of his season was kind of like spring training for him he wasn't all that sharp he wasn't really sharp in spring training either before getting hurt i i remember him giving up a couple bombs to like minor league players in spring training and then he gets hurt we see him later in the year but lance lynn knows what he's talking about he's brutally honest all the time and yeah i hope he comes back next year and lights the world on fire i think he's capable of it i certainly hope so and gentlemen it was a dud of a week we all know where we're going with this we could probably nominate 20 players and we might just do that in this week's adam dud of the week you suck you suck suck stupid lousy no excuse what a dud what a total total dud yeah this is one of the worst weeks I can remember um, in the long, in a very long time. Um, there's so many players that are the nominees here that I that I'm running out of places to put them in our section here with uh, where the notes get highlighted. So without further ado, I'll, I'll let someone lead it off. Uh, Gonzo, why don't we start with you? Who you got for uh, an Adam Dud of the week? For one, I got to say, I, I want to petition that clip of Tony for the remainder of our seasons because I think it's a great clip of him with our vibes for this segment, I should say. But uh, my Adam Dud of the week is going to be the manager, Miguel Cairo. And I've already went off on a tangent of why I think he's the Dud and Cairo's clubhouse. So... I'm going to stick with that tangent. And uh, yeah. If, Gonzo, if you had to pick a player that may or may not be listed in the notes that are shared, who I want to talk about players? He kills me every single time this week. Um, we all know Cairo was a dud. Yeah, I just want to stick with that because that was amazing. But uh, if I had to throw it out there, I want to go with yeah, we'll go with Luis Robert for how the whatever this organization did with that through the month of September. 
um, we, we saw the struggle with his wrist. Um, and now we're going to finally take him out, <clears throat> do what we should have done earlier and uh, do it because they're eliminated. Great. I mean, we yeah. could have brought up like Suspetti's or someone from down under to give us a shot of what, you know, giving him some MLB time, see what you can do with it. We haven't seen Suspetti's yet. Um, and that's probably the closest outfielder we, we can get right now. So, yeah. It's criminal the way they handle Luis Robert and the fact that they let him have so many at bats with one hand. I know Vinny's been very vocal about this on Twitter. Um, you've written about this. Vinny, just talk a little bit about the mishandling of Luis Robert because it's sickening and the guy is clearly ailing. Um, it goes by, I've changed my opinion about four weeks ago. I believe every single person in charge of the Chicago White Sox should be fired. Okay. I think Rick Hahn should go. I think Kenny Williams should go. I think Tony La Russa should go. I think Miguel Cairo should go. The only one I would evaluate and kind of put a positive spin on them is Ethan Katz. And I know Ethan Katz takes his heat too because certain guys have not pitched well. He couldn't fix Jake Diekman. Okay, Jake Diekman walks a lot of guys. With Boston, they loved him there. Okay, there's a reason he was on the team, you know, the Boston Red Sox. He needs to he, – he needs to – be on a team that can deal with that. The White Sox are bad defensively. So if he gives up a walk or, you know, something like that, a guy stealing second, the White Sox can't do anything about that to work around Diekman's one major flaw, and that's walking people. Dylan Cease is able to work out around the fact, and this is what's going to keep him from winning the Cy Young, in my opinion, is the fact that he has a crap ton of walks. Dylan Cease himself knows how to work around walks. He gets no help from the White Sox whatsoever. And um, the way they've handled Luis Roberts, is the most disgusting thing I think I can think of them doing in a long time. And before before this whole thing, I would have said like keeping Tony was just so clearly a dumb idea. And Rick Hahn, you know, addressing the the flaws on the roster with like you know three million dollar players, that was a major issue for me. But the way that they allowed Luis Robert to play, clearly ailing, you know. I saw, I think our buddy Mike North tweeted something about Herbert playing today or yesterday with a broken rib or something, bruised ribs, mm-hmm. and Roberts on the IL with a, a injured wrist. Like, okay, well, for one, the, the Chargers got killed. You know, they got Herbert, murdered. Herbert clearly wasn't himself. So maybe that was a dumb idea. And two, playing baseball with a broken wrist or a sprained wrist or even a, a sore wrist is very difficult, especially swinging a bat. And Luis Robert, he's a very good runner. He's a very good outfielder. But we all know the reason he makes the money that he does is because of his bat. And I just can't believe the White Sox looked at their most talented player overall, the one true five-tool player on this team, and said, you know what, Robert? We're not, we think you at 50% is better than most guys at 100%. That's just not true. I hate Leary Garcia and his 62 weighted runs created or whatever the hell it is at this point. He'd be more effective with two hands than Luis Robert is with one. I I'm sorry. I can't believe that it came to that and nasty, 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 nasty. Many, many people should be fired because of this decision making process. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so getting off the Louis Robert conversation and back to more duds because it's all kinds of duds to go around. Steven Zimmerman, why don't you give us a dud from the week that was? 
literally the whole team. I can't name a single player who actually played well. I mean, the the best player on the team this past week was probably Dylan Cease, and we'll talk about him more in the next segment. But sure. even he sort of came back down to earth the last few weeks. You know, he's not having this the unreal stretch that he did in the middle of the season. And granted, nobody can sustain it for that period of time, you know, unless you're Jake Arietta in the second half of the what was that 2016 season where it was 15. just 15 yeah but but regardless i mean none of these guys played well <laughs> i i i don't know it was let's it pick, was uh, let's just pick on let's pick on let's pick on your your favorite third baseman all right that's Zimmer. fine moncada put up a piss poor effort all the way around his body language was freaking terrible you know, for, for the body language police that we have in sports these days. Um, you know, you can ask Jay Cutler about that, though. Um, but, yeah, horrible average. Sure, he hit the ball, but I don't know. It, it, it was – I liked him for a little while there because he was swinging and he was swinging hard and he was kind of doing the uh, Javi, Va- uh, Javi Baez thing where, like, well, he might not hit it a lot, but at least he hits it hard when he does hit it. And – I don't know. It's it's not enough anymore. It's not enough anymore in his what seventh season. He's got to be better. Yeah, I mean, he's, for me, he's always going to be a bust. I mean, his his defense is there, but just no matter what, unless he magically has some sort of MVP season next year, and who knows if he'll even be on the team. But it's going to take a lot for Moncada to come back in my eyes. Vinny, I know yeah. you're a Moncada lover, and you probably are in semi agreement there. But is there another dud? that you can think of. You're on mute, my friend. Uh, I'm definitely not a Moncada lover anymore. I hate him. I think he – I don't hate him. Like, he has all the tools Pretty in the close. world. I, I talk about – I talked about it with our friend Sean Sierra on my show uh, last week, my other show, and we both kind of agree that he had the opportunity to be the second most talented player on the team, but he just can't put it together anymore. Like, in 2019, he was great. 25 home runs, close to 300. He got MVP votes in 2019. If you yep. go look up the MVP <laughs> race, if you go look up the MVP race in 2019, Moncada came in 21st place. That's not we, out of this world great. I, I would love for Moncada to be the 21st best player in the American League. Sign me yeah. up for it any day of the week. And I, I just can't believe how far it's you know been. And this this team needs change, and they're gonna get it. Uh it's actually funny, right? While we're talking on this show, I've been handed some pretty fun information that I'll share in another segment. Ooh, I love that. And I love a little tease. Um, Vinny. Wait, wait, wait. Just real quick. I I said this whole team has been terrible. And I, and I want to reiterate that point. Aaron judge has more home runs in the first two months of this season than any white Sox player has had all season by the end of May. He out he he could have stopped playing in May and he would have outperformed every player on this team. Yeah, yeah. this he's team was abysmally bad and it and just awful. Just to support my yeah. the whole team sucks argument. I appreciate that. <laughs> it, uh, it definitely makes me feel great about the White Sox. Um, but Vinny, why don't you pick another dud, and then uh, I'll pick mine, and then we'll move on to the next segment. Um, yeah, for my dud, I'm going to take, nobody mentioned Graveman, right? Not yet. 
Yeah, I mean, Graveman, everybody thinks that it was a foregone conclusion that if the White Sox used Graveman against the Guardians, that would have just locked them right into Hendricks and they would have won the game. I agree, kind of. But then three days later, he comes out and ruins Dylan Cease's chance at adding another win and becoming a 15-win pitcher this season. And I think becoming a 15-win pitcher really could have helped him in the Cy Young race. Listen, I'm pulling for Dylan Cease to win the Cy Young. I want him to win it so bad. Do you know how funny it would be for Dylan Cease to win the Cy Young in a White Sox uniform after the Cubs traded him away when he was like their third best pitching prospect? You know how funny that would be? I am rooting for him to do it so bad. But not getting to 15 wins, that would have been a nice little thing to add on his resume. And the White Sox are 20 and 11 in games that Cease started this season. He could very easily be a 20 win pitcher, but, you know, he leaves games with no decisions. Uh, So he has 14 wins. They've won 20 of them that he started. That means there have been four games he left either losing or tied, and then they ended up winning anyway. The 11 losses, where did those come from? He had a streak of like 15 straight no run support. Yeah. It's just so bad what this team has done for Dylan. Here. And Kendall Graveman came in and gave up three runs in that game. And listen, Reynaldo Lopez deserves some flack too. He's another guy. Everybody wanted in Lopez, Graveman, Hendricks, right? Lopez gave up one run. Graveman gave up three to the Detroit Tigers who stink. They're the second worst team in the American league. And again, I would have used those guys against Cleveland too. I am not in any way, shape, or form defending Miguel Cairo. I think him and Tony are gone after this year. The fact that Dylan Cease might not win the Cy Young, though, because he's, what, 14-9 and now, I think, or something egregious like that. I'm pretty sure if the White Sox scored four runs in every single one of his starts, he'd be in the mid-20s for wins. Oh, definitely. Which is just ridiculous. There hasn't been a 20-win pitcher in a really long time. It's kind of a lost breed. Bullpens are so important in the year 2022, but that's my long-winded answer of saying it's Kendall Graveman. He stunk. Yeah, and another reliever that gets an honorable mention. Jake Diekman was freaking brutal this week. Two innings, seven earned runs, eight hits, a walk, nine total you know, runs. And the White brutal. Sox, they throw out his like super touching story today yeah about how like when he was 10 years old he was diagnosed with this and that's why he's nominated for this award then i'm like okay now i have i can't hate jake deekman i can't hate him yeah yeah but you know perfectly timed by the white Sox there right after he's oh for he's sure on the mound when they do when they basically blow their season yeah but so. but from hey, from either white, go ahead then white Sox pr is really good at what they do and if they're watching well, you're welcome yeah yeah they're they're great <laughs> but they're honestly great and they and they have they put on great food events for tastings that we will gladly go to again many times, all of us next time. Um, and free drinks and whatever. I mean, covering the team, we love it. But there is one player that is far above for me, the Adam Dud, arguably the biggest dud of the week. Andrew Vaughn is freaking brutal week. One for 19, a 53 batting average, seven Ks, zero RBI, zero runs. Uh, Andrew looked completely lost at the plate this week, and it's really frustrating. Painful. And it doesn't doesn't take away what he did the rest of the season, but uh, it certainly was bad timing for him to get ice cold. And, and that's all we got to say about that. Um, he sucked. He sucked. He's also not going to be on the White Sox next year. 
I doubt he will be. I have an autographed baseball. Maybe he'll go to the Yankees or someone good. There's two West Coast teams to think about. Yep. Yep. I figured that. And uh, we're going to go and try to turn things around and talk positives. A little sunshine in this depressing basement that we're in. And this week's Put It on the Board Player of the Week. Ah, yes. The segment where we talk about good things. And uh, it's kind of hard to find them, but there are at least four players that I would argue that had a good week. So let's see. Who did I start with last time? Zim, we'll start with you this time around. Is there anybody that gives you a little bit of hope from the last week? Yeah, Khalil Herbert went 157 yards for almost eight uh, a carry on 20 attempts with two touchdowns against the Houston Texans this weekend. He is my put-it-on-the-board player of the week. Vinny, did you see I uh, <laughs> picked Khalil Herbert up for $0 on Sunday before the game? Really? Yes, I did. Oh, nice. I finally scored 100 points, and I'm no, I'm nowhere near getting stopped. <laughs> That's a good thing. I I've not like, been I'm watching sorry. the game tonight. I'm sorry to take it over to football, but I mean that's just how bad this team was. This Can week. I put Justin Fields in my in your Adam uh, Duds? Adam yeah. Dud of the week. He was brutal. I'm yeah. right now. I'm full. Pan- I haven't hit the panic button, but my hand's hovering over it. It's just like right yeah, there. It was. You can't go nuts no. against the Houston Texans. There's something wrong. If you're gonna make me pick. Uh, a White Sox player, like I'll give it to Dylan Cease, but I mean, wasn't able to come up with decisions in either of his starts. Um, 12 innings pitch, three earned runs is good, um, but it's not like Dylan Cease good, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's not definitely not bad. No, by no means is a bad. Like I said in the last segment, he's just coming back down to earth a little bit. He's just back to being a really good pitcher and not a Cy Young pitcher and it kind of stinks because he could have closed this race down this week and unfortunately didn't. Yeah, that's, it's painful. Chris Gonzalez, who do you have? Is there anyone that uh, gave you a little glimmer of hope? Um, well, that first of all, that stat is wrong in 12 innings. He hasn't given up an earned run this week. Um, we look uh, at the, the last sets the last seven days. I pulled it off directly off the White yeah. Sox website. It's on ESPN. He didn't give up any runs in Detroit that were earned. Yeah, he gave up three earned runs over the last week and two starts. So one start he gave up three runs. Earned runs or runs? Earned there's runs. nothing earned. There's nothing earned in those games on his behalf. Let me go back to the White Sox statue. I'm pretty sure it was three earned runs. I believe the White Sox statue would be wrong here. You're telling me the White Sox are trying to add an e- add earned runs to uh, Dylan Cease's ERA? Yeah, because in the even in the Cleveland game, it was just one earned run. But uh. Because the stats off of ESPN, it's kind of crazy. Whether we're arguing 
you know, four earned versus one earned in those. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Wow. Vinny, I, Gonzo called me and he actually got me. It is, it is one earned run. It is one earned run. I'm hearing a lot of C slander and I'm here to correct it. Because in no, one earned run, keep that four uh, earned runs that you had there for a second. He's given up four earned runs in the month of September, and that's through 32 innings. This man, talk about Cy Young. All right, so in that, I'll go to that start verse. I didn't watch the Detroit start, so I'm not even going to talk about that because I'm not going to waste my time when analyze that when I didn't even watch the game, but. I can say in that start versus Cleveland, I mean, you saw his adrenaline was pumped up and he wasn't locating his fastball. And he barely, he hardly uses his changeup at all. You, you only thrown that a couple of times in the sinker as well. But the curveball, he's ticked up. As you can tell, Dylan Cease is going to be my put on the board player of the week. And back to what I was saying, um, his curveball, he's been using an uptick lately. And he's getting a lot of movement on it. And if I was Sebi Saval, I'd be using that a lot more in tough situations earlier in the counts because some of these counts have just dragged on in, the, in these outings and drove up his pitch count, and it just drives me nuts. Sebi's calling them games um, since he's been getting reps as a starter since they traded McGuire. There's, uh, there's your updated stat line. Yeah. When you can't locate – that fastball, and you have to rely on that one pitcher slider, and you limit Cleveland to one run in those six innings to put your team in position to win. You can say it's not ace-like, which I totally disagree being a pitcher, when I know that each outing, you're, you don't even know what you're going to have until you're in the game, and then you have to make a game adjustments on what, you're, what you do have. If you can do that and limit Cleveland, that offense, with that slash line against them this season to one run, he did the job. Not only has he done the job, but you can look at what he did all year. And I firmly believe that if he was pitching in Houston, he would have better numbers than Justin Verlander with that offense that gives him the run support. Um, and I think Vinny said 14 and 9. He was close. Dylan's 14 and 7 this season. He's been 14 and 7 for most of September, at least, because he doesn't get any run support. And as a 14 7 record, he's tied 11th. In the league, his ERA two point zero six. He's almost sub two. We'll see if he can get to sub two and one more start, maybe, maybe two, probably just one more though. But his ERA is second best in the league. Keep that in mind. He has two hundred twenty-two strikeouts. That's fourth in the league. Thank you, Gonzo. The band still played. the, The band played you off on that one. Um, let's let's toss it over. Let's get another put on the board player of the week, Vinny Parisi. Who you got? I am going to take Gavin Sheets. Ever since the Baltimore series, when he went home and played against his hometown team, the team his dad played for, he's been magnificent from the left side of the plate. I would be kind of happy if I were you know, the White Sox that he's had this good of a stretch here, basically from August. I'm not going to say the whole second half, but for a large chunk of it, he's been very good. And hopefully other teams see that. And he does have 
the ability to mildly play the outfield on his resume now. He could play first base. He could be a designated hitter, which is now available to all 30 teams. I am a fan of Gavin Sheets as a person. He's obviously a friend of the program. But if I were the White Sox, I would be very thrilled that he's been this good lately because they could probably trade him and get something they need a little bit more from him. Great call, Vinny. Yeah, Gavin's been pretty hot since August, so I love that. Steven Zim, Zimmerman, is there anyone? Did we already talk to you? I don't remember. I'm losing track. I mentioned Cease briefly. It's easy to forget because I uh, am just so underwhelmed in, in this week's episode. Do you do you have another player that you might want to? Um, let me let me look at some stuff here, because I mean it's such a short list; it's not going to take me long. There's only two other names. So. <laughs> I mean, AJ Pollock hit the ball pretty well. Two homers, five ribbies, two runs scored. Those would have come on those home runs, which goes to show the lack of run support for anything happening. The only yeah. way guys can scores if they're hitting themselves in so uh you know again uh, underwhelming week underwhelming performances even when they're good yeah no doubt and then i'm gonna go with a guy who's been surprisingly good out of the pen for a good chunk of the year as a guy I hated on multiple times this year but props to tanner banks for a good week three innings one hit zero earned runs four strikeouts Tanner has been kind of a, a bright spot and uh, he's impressed me. Color me impressed from what I've seen from Tanner Banks. So if there's one guy that I can pinpoint this week that like gives me a little bit of hope, it's Tanner Banks. And uh, it's kind of hard to do that in a sea of darkness. Tough so, task too. You got a day to day. He had no clue. And I can't remember where it was. I heard this, but like, when he was in Charlotte, he knew that any any minute he could be called up to the White Sox if, you know, Kopech does something with his knee again or Giolito this or Lance Lynn that. Uh, Cease has made 31 starts. If he makes 32, he'll be the only pitcher on the team to make all 32 of his starts. I would assume they are going to let him do that for the sake of the Cy Young Award potentially. Um, they... And if I were the White Sox, I would let Cease pick which game. Like, if you want the twin, the Sunday Twins, give it to them. But you know, whatever. I don't. I think they play during the week. But you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Give them the wor- the best matchup for his numbers possible. If I'm the Sox, but um, yeah, Banks. He he really kind of had a hard year. So props to him there, but. Uh... We're going to go into a segment where I I promptly called it in the notes, who gives a shit? But uh, someone does, and I think we're going to have to cover it next week regardless. So let's take a look at the White Sox schedule coming up. There's nine games left in this hellhole of a season. Will Legonzo take us through it in this week's White Sox week? Gonzo, take us through the pain. Twins, Padres, Twins. Either way, it's going to be painful. So take it away, my friend. 
And to go off of what Vinny said there, I mean, technically, Cease might have a shot at pitching twice. I mean, he, he could pitch Sunday versus the Padres, but he could probably go two starts versus the Twins here to close out if they really wanted him to boost those numbers. But, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, Twins on the road. And then, well, this is a road trip this week, I should say, as both series are going to be on the road. Um, game one is going to be Tuesday versus the Twins, and it's going to be Tuesday through Thursday. Um, the pitching matchup is looking like Lance Lynn versus uh, Ober. Ober is the really tall righty for the Twins, who we've batched many times in the past. Hopefully we continue to do so. Hopefully we can just win a game this year. That would be nice to see after going 0 for 6 last week. But Lance Lynn did not have a great uh, start versus the Guardians. Um Hopefully he bounces back here. He's pissed off. Um, I'd be pretty pissed off too with how this team has played um, behind him. Um, but hopefully Lance ends the season strong here. I'm going up against the third place Twins. Um, game two is going to be Johnny Cueto versus Windeer. Um, Cueto is another guy that just got unfortunate in the game three of his last matchup versus uh, Cleveland. And then game three is going to be Gilito versus Varland. That's potential Varland, I should say. Um, it'd be nice for, again, for Gio to finish strong here. He's had a rough season. I hope nothing but the best for him. Um, and of course, By- Byron Buxton. He doesn't even have a high batting average, but 224 with 28 homers, 51 ribbies. Um, again, I know her brought up a rise. Um, he's the all-star bang 313 for them. Um, interesting how the twins have collapsed with the injuries and all, but that is them. And then the weekend series Friday through Sunday. Um, interesting talent San Diego has. Soto has just fell apart in San Diego. Um, but game one on Fridays and we David or Davis Martin versus U Darvish. Uh, U, U has been hot for the, uh, the Padres all season, and he's continuing to pitch well. Um, game two is going to be – hold up while I load the schedule here for October as Saturday is October 1st, everybody. But game two is going to be Dylan Cease potentially up against uh, Mike Clevenger. Clevenger is an interesting name. He's a guy that might be free agent this offseason that I would have potential. Uh, I think I could be a potential arm the Sox could go after, depending on how um, the offseason sh- uh, forms up here. But, yes, that would be uh, Dylan C's going up against him and uh, hopefully on the road. I think I saw that uh, Dylan's ERA on the road this year is one six three. So he's been pretty solid on the road. Um, hopefully he can continue that as he pushes for the Cy Young candidate um, for the Cy Young Award winner. Um, he's going to need all the help he can get here on out. Um, and then game three on Sunday is going to be Lance Lynn for a second start against uh, Blake Snell. And Snell has been on fire lately. So they're going up against three hot pitchers and a team fighting for the wild card out in San Diego out here in Slam Diego, I should say. Um, I love to see C's pitch here, but I got, I don't know, all my uh, passion for this team is gone right now. Uh, I don't even want to spend money on seeing 
even my favorite pitcher pitch. Um, I'll save that for another time when I'm more passionate about what I have in front of my face with this team. And uh, Machado, common name, who was at the table with us. Um, yeah. He's batting, he's batting 299, 31 home runs, and 100 ribbies. Unbelievable well, kid. Speaking, speaking of passion being gone, Gonzo, I want to brief, briefly bring up the put a, pick the click segment of the show. Um, I have decided that for the next, for this week, heading into the last week of the season, we are not going to do a pick to click because the whole team sucks. So here's what we're going to do. Gonzo, you've already won. Congratulations on two years in a row. I don't really care. But for the last week of the season, we are going to pick, it's the pick to lick ass. So it's basically who's going to stink the worst. The last week of the season, Vinny looked at me like I was freaking insane. His eyeballs. Oh my God. Vinny gave me the dirtiest look ever. Uh, I just thought of it now. I, I thought it was funny, but maybe it's not. But I, I think we picked the guys who were worst, and uh, it doesn't matter. It's just for fun. And Vinny's muted. <laughs> this is way more fun. I like that a lot. There's a lot of noises surrounding me today, so I've been mute, using my um, mute button. Like, there's an annoying ass dog that lives below. Oh, is that and... the look, or was it the look at me for saying? No, it was definitely the look ass. at you, the pick to lick ass. Like, it just sounded like some something a seven year old kid would say when his wow. mom's not I... around and he knows he can pull, say whatever he wants. Like, uh, do you hear him? What, he said, "Ass." <laughs> what, a, what what a compliment! Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it, can I go first? I try. Yeah, you can. But I, I tried to, I tried to think of something bad as opposed to like pick the click, and that's what came out of my mouth, and I deeply regret it. So, anyway, who's your pick to lick for the week? Yoan Mankata. All right. Well, that was easy. I'm gonna I wanna change it literally in the notes to be picked to lick. If Yoan Mancada comes out and has a great week and makes me lose pick to lick, I will be incredibly pissed off. And then I'll convince myself that he's gonna win MVP next year and lead the White Sox to the World Series. Well, then I hope he has a great week, but it's not gonna happen. But that's a great choice. Um Gonzo, I'll, I'll I'll let you go because technically you won pick to click for the year. Congratulations! We'll have to build a statue in your honor. Maybe I'll get a little little Gonzo statue and we can put it in all of our pockets or something. But uh, who's your pick to lick for the week? Well, I just want to say as much as I piss off a lot of people in the scumbag chat because I posted that Mankata in the month of September is batting three hundred and has a OPS of nine hundred. Kind of crazy to think about, but uh, yeah, it's been something to watch. Um, good pick, Vinny. Um, I'm gonna go with the catcher who is my top priority to get rid of this offseason because I think the catching position is the most important position on the diamond, and uh, there's many reasons how I can get into with this. But yes, Monty Grandal betting 203 for the season with five bombs, I think it was, and Mancada is almost tripling his homer production. Kind of mm. crazy to also think about. But uh, yeah, yes. 
pick you're the my lick. Suck you're my suck ass. Yeah, pick the lick. <laughs> you're my suck ass. <laughs> you're very doable, as we like to say with Eric on the podcast last Yeah, week. I don't know. That was I gotta pull that clip. That's probably the one of the worst things I've ever said on the air besides pick the lick ass. <laughs> That's how you know the season's going off the rails because I'm going with it. Um, we probably got a whole compilation worth of things that you've said where you've immediately just gone, wait a sec. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, pick the lick ass. is definitely going to go high in the regrets as, as is <clears throat> very doable, Eric. Um, but Zim, who – who? Oh, as, <laughs> as he's gone. My bad. I clicked did, the wrong button. Do you have access to do that? I, I didn't know you just had access. Just my camera. Just my camera. Interesting. Um, but anyway, who is your pick to lick for the last week of the season? Uh, the Chicago White Sox. Well, then I, I don't know. You, uh, you would automatically win who, who, who's a player. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is Larry Garcia still playing? He seems no. like a pretty safe pick. That's, I have no idea. You're not allowed to pick him. He had one at bat this week. You're not allowed to pick That's him. That's what I figured with Cairo in there. He's uh, finally where he belongs on the fucking bench um god making the same amount of money as shohei otani how's that how's that working out for everybody sorry i'm trying to pull up a roster here because i just I'm trying to think of a name that comes to mind i i guess i guess if i really gotta nail one down i'll get i'll get uh, uh aj pollock he seems wow. safe for okay. at least one terrible game I like that. You can pick wow. any player and have a good chance. Yeah. I mean, because um, I also think like, like this pains me to say, would it shock me if Dylan Cease goes out there against the Padres and just and gives up four bombs to freaking Machado, Juan Soto? Like, no, that would just be so 2022 White Sox to like raise your ERA to like, and he's at 2.06 right now. He has a four run game against the Padres. It's now point. One seven or whatever, and he loses the Cy Young to Verlander because of his dog crap last game of the season. I honestly, I'm almost counting on it. At this if he yeah. loses, if he loses the Cy Young to Verlander, it won't be because of that. I assure you of that. Maybe Justin I mean, Verlander is a media darling. He is going to win it. Simply, uh, it's a popularity contest, and his team's going to the postseason, and Dylan Cease's team isn't. And and it's literally that cut and dry at this point in time. It was a race at the beginning of September, and now it's crown him. My thing with him well, is the innings. Yeah, that's my only. That's my only nab. And I, if I'm looking at it objectively, White Sox goggles off, and I'm voting for the Cy Young with what I truly believe. Verlander, if I'm doing pros and cons, one of my big cons, as opposed to Cease, is innings pitched. But sorry, Joe, we didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I, I appreciate the the elaboration there. It's always good to, to get more context. So I, I agree, Vinny. Uh, that's I my like that's to, my. I was gonna say when it comes to the Cy Young thing, I really hope they consider what Dylan did for like the majority of that season when he went on the quality start stretch of like fourteen straight games. That, There's only one be, person in the MLB that's better than him, and that's Valdez because Valdez has twenty two quality starts for the Houston. Well, let me let me go this far. Let me go this far. Dylan Cease should not only win the Cy Young. This man should be nominated and get a vote for the American League MVP. 
This man carried the Chicago White Sox on his back this year. He should at least get one vote for MVP, and I'm not even joking. He'll be top 20. Verlander has more innings than I thought, though. He has 163 innings. You need as many innings as games played, so you need 162. And he's already got that. So I'm with Zim. Verlander's going to take it, probably. Yeah, he probably will. But I'd love to see Cease do it, especially get an MVP conversation, just because of how the White Sox, if they didn't have Dylan Cease this year, would be absolutely dead in the water, even more so than they already are. But we're talking pick-to-lick players that are going to be absolutely horrible this week. And I'm going to go with a guy who's disappointed all year long. I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. I think he's going to get freaking shelled this week. And I, I hope he gives up like 20, and then I can win this award for no other reason than to say that I won it. It's like winning MVP. Like when Mitch yeah. won the MVP in the game that they freaking got killed by the Saints. Hey, whoa, hey. He was the first ever recipient of that award, and you can never take that away from him. You know That's that? True. I'm not. Hey, I'm not disrespecting the MVP. I, I love Mitchy Mitch. I love Mitchy Mitch. He sucks. But wouldn't that be funny if that's how being a fan was? Like, like the way Joe was just right now. Like, I think Lucas Giolito is going to get shelled. And I swear there are some people like this. They look at their favorite team like, oh, what's my favorite team? I'm a White Sox fan. Yeah, man. I hope Eloy Jimenez goes 0 for 10 this week and just sucks. That'd be funny. Or like, man, I can't wait to watch Dylan Cease get his shit rocked this week. That's basically what we all just did. It's a refreshing take to just kind of like be like, yeah, we stink. But like, who's going to be the worst? (laughs) All of us. (laughs) So just to recap, all our picks to lick at the bottom of the screen. I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. Gonzo is going to go with Yasmani Grandal. Zim's going to go with AJ Pollock, one of the hottest hitters on the team. And Vinny is going to go with Yohan Mankata. Um, Man, boys, we might just hit the lottery here. And let's, I'm, I'm interested to see who has the worst stat line. I'm excited for this. We're going to have an like argument. That, like nobody picked Luis Robert or Andrew Vaughn, who are arguably on the biggest cold streaks of the entire season right now. This is how you Sorry know that you Zim off, didn't. Though, that's yeah. that's how you know Zim didn't watch baseball this week because Luis Roberts on the the IL for the rest of the season. Zim. Oh well, there you go. About time. You can pick him. You can pick him if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, if he goes zero for zero, technically he does have a zero batting average. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Zero batting average, <laughs> no RBIs, no runs. You guys wouldn't scored. let me take. You guys wouldn't let me take uh, uh, Garcia. It'd be an automatic win. Um, zero for one. Yeah. So bad he didn't even get on the field. Have you guys ever seen that episode of South Park where they play baseball and they all want to go home and play video games so they don't want to win yeah. their like, little tournament there? And they're like, you guys are so good. We're terrible. <laughs> We're going to have yeah. that kind of argument yeah. at the end of this week. Gonzo's going to send in the group chat, and he's going to get legitimately pissed about like, no, my guy, freaking Grendahl, was, he had – Two RBIs and Mankata only had one, but his Babip was significantly worse than Yohan Mankata. Like we're just gonna have my guy's worse. No, my guy's worse. You you came up with something here, Joe. So I, I think we're gonna go next season. Just a heads up, my argument is gonna be my guy got on base, but he got thrown out because he can't run at second. Yeah. He only no, caught one game and had two pass balls. 
Yeah, well, in, in in a plot twist, every guy we pick does amazing, and they go nine and zero to close the season. They, uh, you probably, know, what? I would, I would lose my shit if that happened. They probably still wouldn't. They wouldn't make it. They're tragic no, numbers. No, they, no, they no. They'd go they nine and zero to win the se- to finish the season and still come in three games behind the wild card. Yeah, yeah. I think they're tragic numbers three, unless yeah. the. Um, no, they've been eliminated. No, I don't think they have. Today, I believe they were eliminated, or yesterday. I saw it. I did. I did see that. As, maybe it's just they were eliminated from the central. I think both. They were eliminated from the central. The White Sox tragic number for the wild card is three. Mm-hmm. They're seven and a half yeah. games but out of Seattle. Seventh and place Tampa for the wild card right now. I think. Don't if, don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. No, there's no hope. No, there's oh, no there's, hope. There's don't, no hope. <laughs> don't worry. They Seattle won't lose three. The difference between Seattle and Chicago won't be three down the stretch. No shot. The difference between Seattle and Chicago is Seattle can beat teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah, they are three and seven in their last ten, just like the White Sox. But yeah, and the Guardians seven in their last seven. So you're saying there's hope? No, that's no, that's what I'm no, getting at. Not. not at all. And if the White Sox make the playoffs. If the White Sox make the playoffs, I will get a White Sox postseason tattoo. You're telling me I might have to go get tickets for Sunday's game out here. No, don't. Well, if it's cease, go get them. Sure. Call in sick. Uh, but and speaking they of hope, it, they played Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> Plot you know how amazing that would be if we could swept again. the shit out of Cleveland after they had their party, <laughs> their clubhouse party. It would party. be so amazing that it won't happen. Yeah, yeah no, that would not happen. Really that funny. would be some angels in the outfield <laughs> shit right If freaking the White Sox win out and Seattle loses out and the White Sox play Cleveland in the first round and sweep them, the memes, I think it would be a top three internet day of all time. Like the day the queen died, I think is up there like that. The memes that day were just off the hook. Like there are days like that online. That would be one of them. I think non-baseball fans would get in on it. I really do. I would just send all Cleveland fans a Jakeem Noah gif at them. Yeah. Yeah, Who wants to go to Cleveland on vacation? (laughs) People from New York. That's who. Hey, I tell you what. So we uh, speaking of hope, we we're gonna cancel the guaranteed take for today because I just decided it. And you talked about Cleveland for a second, so I'm just gonna go ahead, go ahead and talk about Cleveland. I actually took a vacation to Cleveland when I was in college, and went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and went bar hopping and went to a Sox game and got obliteratedly drunk. If anyone was at my wedding, my best man gave a speech and talked about how hammered I got after the baseball game because it got rained out. He got me so drunk that I confessed to a murder that I didn't commit. <laughs> and Wait, he what? had a video of it for the longest time, back when flip phones were still pixelated, thank goodness. Um, I, I, confessed, I confessed to the murder of the Nina, the Pina, and the Santa Maria. That's how hammered I was. There was a great establishment in Cleveland that had since shut down called The Blind Pig. That was me at the end of the night. That's ironically the name of the bar, but <clears throat> nonetheless, I didn't get any laughter from that story. But it was uh, <laughs> Cleveland has is there's nothing in Cleveland at all, but 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and sports. So moral of the story, if you're going to go to Cleveland, go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or a sports game and then go home. Sounds delightful. And and Cleveland. I've been reminded, yeah, we all hate Cleveland. Even LeBron does. But uh, we've been <laughs> reminded in the chat that Vinny said he had some interesting news earlier on, and I forgot to go back to him for it. So I don't know if it's something you can break or at least tease. Who's in the chat calling me out? Nobody. Gonzo. Oh, oh, our chat. Our chat. I was like, Yeah, yeah. Our private chat. I was like, whoa. Um I would look at the Arizona Diamondbacks as a potential trade target, like a blockbuster type of trade. I would look at the Los Angeles Angels as a potential trade target. And I would look at a list of former St. Louis Cardinals. Hasn't worked out for the White Sox in the past. But a list of former St. Louis Cardinals managers as a potential candidate for the next year. Interesting. Who the the hell is on the Diamondbacks? The other team that you were mentioning... The other teams you're talking about players and you're talking about managing candidates on on the Cardinals, correct? Yes, formerly with the Cardinals. I mean, no, no, no names on air. No names on air. Nope, Uh, no, no names. I'm, I'm looking. I am looking at the Diamondbacks staff, though. Just there's really only one player that interests me, maybe two. So I'm assuming it's probably one of them. But there's one that you don't know interests you. I Rojas. Think. Rojas interests me. We just said no names on the air, and then Gonzo progresses to say a name on the air. All right, well, that's not I mean, one it, of them, so it's fine. It's really not a big like deal to talk about names out there. Like I get like well, the managerial thing, but like players like we're talking about on. Vinny's Vinny's confidential source. It's clearly it's, a big deal. It's a big deal, Gonzo. It's a big deal. No, but I mean, like, we're going to be talking about offseason anyway, so th- these are names we're just going to be throwing out there. Like, Yeah, when we do that, that's fine. <laughs> I, we were just talking about something I got. <laughs> we're we're going to be clear that none of the names we're discussing right now, specifically the ones that Gonzo just mentioned, have anything to do with anything that may or may not have been heard by anyone or reported by anyone on the show. So that's our disclaimer there. But oh, and Yohan Moncada is coming back next year, and there's nothing you can do about it. No, he makes too yeah. much money. The only yeah. way I could see it happening is if somebody was desperate for something. You know, so, nah, nobody. Uh, nobody uh, I, I'm trying to think of like a situation, like um, you know, uh, who did the the Yankees? Josh Donaldson goes down three weeks into spring training for the season. And they need a third baseman right now. I think that's the only way something like that happens. Well, hopefully Josh Donaldson does go down, but that's besides the point. Yeah, that's a whole other uh, thing. There's a reason I picked that name out of my ass. <laughs> well, I, I, I like the, the little news tease, Vinny. I'm, I'm excited for the offseason to start. I can't get here soon enough. But before we wrap the show, we usually do shout-outs and all that stuff. But is there anything you guys want to talk about that's not baseball related because i'm open to it i really don't care um have you watched I, andor Vinny? 
I have not watched Andor yet. Joey Parisi watched episode one and said it was really slow, but all the reviews are that this show's amazing. So episodes two and three got to pick up. His one his one positive about the first episode, and he's going to end up liking the show. I know it, but it didn't feel Star Wars-y. It felt like a modern, thrilling-type TV show that had Star Wars characters in it, and that's how I feel about Mando. So that's yeah. not... Um, you know, anything it's, crazy. It's funny you mentioned that Joey only watched episode one because that's all I've had a chance to watch. And and I was very much a little bit thinking it was slow, but I, I kind of get where it's going, setting up the story. I love how mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a very Star Wars underworld, the kind of stuff that we've always wanted, right? And my wife, after we watched the episode, she's like, eh, you know, eh. Didn't really, didn't really grab me. So I have a feeling it's going to pick up. But I enjoyed it. And the um, reviews are off the hook. New York Times, IGN, all those guys are like, this show's amazing. So we'll see. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, any of you guys watching House of the Dragon? I watched, no, I watch good television. I watched the first episode of the first half hour, of the first episode, and then it was like two a.m. I had to turn it off, but it's very good. Everybody loves it. So I'm a big gamer yeah. fan, so we'll see. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I take it neither of the gentlemen on the left-hand side of the screen have seen either of these shows. Nope. You know what I've been thinking about a lot lately? I'd like a little round table on. Yeah. Do you guys like, do you guys like jam? You know, like, like jelly? Like, like jelly and jam? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've been thinking about, like, venturing out a little bit. And I like discussing food and the intricacies of different types of things. And... I've been very interested in jam lately. I've only ever had, obviously, strawberry and grape. And I'm learning out there that there are so many different kinds of jam. Oh, and I want to start spreading it all over toast. I want to try, like, apricot jam and apple jam and blueberry jam and raspberry jam. I'm going to become a big jam guy. And I learned that if you buy, like, certain kinds of jam and you place them on breakfast sandwiches – it's like out of this world delicious. Like mm-hmm. even if you go somewhere like McDonald's and order like a cheese and sausage McGriddle and put some, put some, some great jam. jam on it, it is unbelievable. So I'm becoming a big jam guy. You guys like jam? Vinny, you're going to appreciate this. It's really funny you bring up jam. You know, my brother-in-law, he, he drives for a, a farmer and delivers and he goes back and forth to all these cool places, including Amish country and, all those places where they have like these amazing jams, as you know, brings home. It's a mango habanero jam or mango jalapeno. I'm sorry, mango jalapeno. And when I tell you the heat is just a slow burn and then it gets crazy hot, but it's delicious and sweet. You'd go probably nuts for it. So good. Oh, I'm sure I would. I'm sure I would, Joseph. I love that stuff. Is it just me or like you ever realize through life like the Smuckers uh, stacks at like your breakfast places like you got your typical strawberry and grape but for like I just realized not too long ago that like usually intermixed with the grape is the blackberry ones and I'm like how did I not realize that both of them were intermixed? It's I, because I totally blackberry like jam sucks. I'll say it. No, it does? Like, I've never had I it. I'm going to try it. So, I, I love blackberry. I don't like blackberry jam. Sorry. If you head to Ikea, you can get lingonberry jam. Ooh. Yes. 
It is one of their things I've never heard of before. I, I'm being like, it's curious. right up there with like their Swedish meatballs. As far as like, you don't think of Ikea as really? a food place, but if you're yeah. going, these are the two things to get the mm. Swedish meatballs. And if you are not a meat eater, they also have veggie balls that are vegan meatballs that are awesome. But yeah, lingonberry jam. Ooh, we're gonna, gonna have to be the jam I'm podcast now. I'm sure lingonberry is probably some sort of fruit that derives from the great country of Sweden. I would sure. hope so. Got to be some kind of because IKEA is a Swedish company. That's why they have Swedish meatballs, and that's why their colors are blue and yellow, like the Swedish flag. And oh, I love IKEA. I can eat those meatballs, and they put a nice little thing of mashed potatoes with some cranberries. It's like a cranberry jam in a way. And so, yeah, I've been thinking about jam and analyzing jam lately. We're going to have a whole jam segment on bar down talking hockey on Wednesday. So I'm excited. Oh, I love, I love that tease. Uh, more jam, more hockey, hockey season, Finney. It's, it's amping up. It's, it's exciting times. It's here. You got Vinny talking hockey. You got Vinny talking crosstown, crosstalk. Dynamite show last week, by the way, with Sean Sierra. That was dynamite. As Thank always, you. Gonzo's holding up a finger. I'm going to keep the mic away from him as long as I can by just talking about nonsense. But uh, we're going to preview uh, Dan and Aldo bear their souls on tomorrow. That's big time stuff. Greg Gabriel talking football. It's tons of great shows on network. Um, uh, if I'm pumping up my own show, uh, Sunday you got Fantasy Football Goon. Uh, I will not be on this week's episode, actually. I'm moving into my new home, and I'll be busy driving a big truck. So it'll be Adam Shaw with special guest co-host John Santucci. So check out that one. That'll be a lot of fun. And Gonzo had his finger up, so I'm going to toss it back to him. Yeah, before you continue, I, I wanted to bring this up before I forgot about it because the whole jam thing got me excited. For our Chicago, so for uh, you, Vinny, because Joe you, is moving to Michigan, but for you specifically, Vinny, and your brother, Joey, I'm not sure if you've been to Jenny's Ice Cream uh, in the city, but um, I know they you can go to like Target and get Jenny's Ice Cream, but like they have two shops. I think one's in Lincoln Park, I forget where the other one's at, but they have this uh, – my favorite was their whiskey ice cream, whiskey and walnut. But they have my most favorite flavor that Sarai and I love is Brambleberry Crisp. And it's oven toasted oat strudel with sweet tart brambleberry jam of blackberries and black currants layered throughout the vanilla ice cream. It is out of this world. So, Joe, if you ever get back out to Chicago, you got to try it. And Vinny, I saw you, your eyes go. I know Joe would probably love it with his his uh, business of his cheesecakes. I'm sure he's a dessert lover, but both of you got to go try it out because Jenny's ice cream is pretty solid. And the oh, you, said, you said Jenny? Well. Yeah, Jenny's uh, J-E, I think it's N-I apostrophe S. I'm in. I'm all in. I will yeah. be checking it out. Jenny's ice cream. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, yeah, brambleberry crisp is the is the flavor. All right, brambleberry crisp sounds like a cereal, but uh, you know, on the screen it says next week's guest Martha Stewart. I'm just kidding, by the way, that's not really happening. But <laughs> we are talking about jam, and now I'm hungry. Thanks, guys. That sucks. I <laughs> hope she would have some stock tips for me. But I'm bumps. Jesus. Bums. 
Gonzo would take it there. Or no, Zim would. Sorry, I'm crossing streams here. But uh, we've made it almost the two-hour point of the show. We vented. We had a great guest in Herb Lawrence from CHGO talking White Sox, feeling the pain, feeling the therapy session. Uh, life is is, gonna, is moving on, and we're going to find a pick to lick in the last week of the season. With that said, boys, we're going to do our shout-outs before we get out of here and before I say anything else stupid. So we'll start things off with our buddy Zim. Zim, what do you got for shout-outs? A shout-out Cleveland and the Guardians for uh, really putting us out of our misery again. I started the show the same way. I'm going to end it. Dilly, so. dilly, dilly. That's about it. I love that. Straightforward. Gonzo, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to uh, shout-out my girlfriend, Soraya. Um I'm actually going to be headed home. It looks like uh, October 23rd, headed back to Chicago. Um, my annual leave schedule at work came out, so I'm, I'm on there like four times throughout this year from nice. October, to October, October. We'll see how many annual leave days I'm actually going to have by throughout this year, but I'm going to use one week of it in October here, and I got to go home and see her and. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good trip. Me and her are still trying to decide what we want to do when we head back there for a week. But I know I have a dental cleaning that Monday, so gotta get that taken care of. And uh, I'm just looking for other people to shout out here because I've totally caught off guard of the people that I thought of earlier in the week. But I guess I see a lot of PZ in the chat. Thank you, PZ, for being so active in our chats. Um, I haven't seen no Travis in there lately, but. Um, a lot of good people always in the chat. Um, I know last week when we had the scumbags in there, they were going crazy in there. Um, other than that, I feel like uh, I've been letting myself down this month because I feel like after 9-11, I could have probably brought up some conversation from that important time of history and uh, ever since then. Um, even you know some, some of the hurricanes are coming through the Gulf the past week or so. A lot of uh, communities... Um, and despair and shout out to all the people out there um, going through tough times. Um, I know I talked about the hurricane that came in San Diego, not, you know, like a two weeks ago, kind of crazy. I'm just hoping for the best. I know there's another one coming through the Caribbean right now. Um, thoughts and prayers out to those uh, families about to be impacted. Um, other than that, um, that's all I got for uh, shout outs for, uh this show appreciate it buddy <clears throat> on to vincent parisi Vinny, what do you got for shout outs buddy and talk about your week coming up on bar down and crosstown my shout outs as usual are my girlfriend katie of course my mom dad joey um co-host frank mueller on bar down talking hockey getting ready to go through I think I haven't decided what division we're going to preview. We previewed the Atlantic division and the Pacific division so far. We're either going to do the metropolitan division or the central division next, obviously. Um, it just kind of depends on whether or not I decide to go with Frankie's favorite team, the Chicago Blackhawks or my favorite team, the New Jersey devils. I think we're going to save my favorite team for last because I'm in charge. Um, I am very much looking forward to it. The Devils play tonight. They won like the preseason's fully underway. The Hawks play tomorrow and it's going to be a great season of hockey. Looking forward to it big time. That is where I thrive the most that and White Sox coverage. Those are my two things as one finds its way out the door. The new one walks back in and 
that's kind of how it goes. On Thursday, we're going to keep Crosstown Crosstalk going. It's not an entirely White Sox show. It's a MLB show, and the playoffs are going to be sick. Like, there's no doubt about it. The Mets, the Yankees, the Braves, the Guardians, the Dodgers are sick. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to be a Cinderella team? Does that team exist? What are the Blue Jays going to do? Are the Mariners going to get in for the first time in 21 years? There's lots of awesome baseball that goes beyond this stinky White Sox season. So, you know, I'm very much looking forward to it. And then we'll be right back here for the finale on South Burbs Hitman next Monday. With our buddy Ozzie Jr., no doubt. Vinny, appreciate the shout-outs and the previews of your upcoming shows. Gonzo stick it up his finger. What do you got? I just remembered who I was going to shout out earlier. I think this was maybe two days ago. Um, Albert Pujols hit his 700th home run yeah, in MLB no history. Uh, one hell of a career. Um, I don't know if we ever get to uh, all-time lists. He is my all-time first baseman, Mr. Albert Pujols. Um, we the congratulate you. Sure. We congratulate you on one hell of a career, and he's continuing to do his thing. Um, one hell of a way to walk out of the season or walk out of your career than to uh, chase history and add your name to that 700 club. Well, um, unbelievable, unbelievable player. I'll certainly be rooting for the Cardinals to see if he can get that fairy tale ending to his career with the World Series, hit 700 home runs, and just drive off into the sunset. So, Albert. Uh, class act and couldn't happen to a better guy. So that's, I agree with Gonzo uh, props to Albert for 700 home runs. That's, that's impressive. I, I, I read a tweet today that Albert Pujols has spent five hours of his life running the bases after a home run. That's insane. Think about that. Wow. That's insane. But, um, Anyway, I'm going to get to my shout-outs. I'll try to keep them quick. My beautiful wife, Catherine, our baby girl, Audrey, my great Dane, Maverick. Um, we are very excited to be moving into and closing on our new home this Friday. And uh, to get in there, get all moved in, settled in, and just excited to start the next chapter. So it's a really exciting time. I'm very excited for it. I want to shout-out all three of you guys because it's been – as much of a nightmare season it's been with the White Sox, it's been a dream season having you three guys with me all year long. So I appreciate you, appreciate the partnership, appreciate the friendship, and most of all, just appreciate you just talking with you guys every Monday night because it's I, – I often say this and I believe it every single time. It's it's one of the highlights of my week, so I do appreciate that. And uh, we'll do a show here and then in the off season, depending on when big things happen, but – it certainly won't be a, a weekly thing anymore, and rightly so during football season. There's other things going on. But uh, looking forward to having Ozzie Gian Jr. on for our finale next week. And can't thank everyone who supported us all year long in the chat. Whoever tunes in, whenever you tune in, you know, Travis, PZ, guys that are in there every week, uh, can't thank you guys enough. It's It's been an absolute dream. So, gentlemen, we are at the two-hour and three-minute mark. We're going to get out of here so that these people can either go to bed or continue their work days if they're listening to the podcast version. Gentlemen, it's been a ton of fun tonight. Don't forget, guys, to follow our guest, Herb Lawrence, on Twitter and CHGO underscore White Sox as well. Uh, Just unbelievable content. He was a dynamite guest. So huge thank you to Herb for giving us uh, so much of his time today. PZ says, thanks for the entertainment this past season, fellas. No problem, PZ. We appreciate you tuning in. 
And uh, don't forget, tune in. We do have one more show next week with Ozzy Gian Jr. to wrap things up and put a stamp on the end of the White Sox. Or maybe we should say a brand so we can grill them and mark these as well done because this season is over. But that's uh, that's besides the point. We're getting out of here. For the South Burbs Hitmen, I'm Joe Mandel. Above me is Vinny Parisi. In the Death Star is Steven Zim Zimmerman. And Chris Gonzalez is hanging out in my front pocket. We will see you guys next week. As always, let's go White Sox. It's a new week. Who knows? 9-0 to finish the season. Pick the lick. We'll see you guys next week.